Hello, everybody, and welcome back to an episode of Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts. Hi. In a very real sense, um, my co-pilot here, Mr. Eddie Tang, a.k.a. Game Agent E.T., um, there's been a lot of hurts as of late because, (laughs) as many of you know, um, he is recovering from surgery to remove a cancerous growth on his thumb. Um, That's right. And we... Took a little bit of time off to just sort of let the podcast breathe a bit, um, but we are back for episode 21. However, uh, this is sort of a recovery episode where we do not have the usual hot list of topics and water cooler and now playing segments, nor a big question. We are simply going to talk with Eddie about his prognosis and what's around the corner and probably shoot the shit a little bit about gaming because that is indeed what we do. Um, but just, uh, going real easy today. So Eddie, how are you doing, doing a lot better. Thank you, James, AKA triple J, AKA the six button samurai. Yeah. Um, Basically, as I mentioned before, um, I had my thumbnail, left thumbnail removed along with the surrounding area, uh, the surrounding skin, which is if you can look at your thumb, if you see from the tip of your thumb to the about the where the first knuckle meets, imagine kind of cutting that whole area off. And what I have left is an artificial graft, which is probably not that much thicker than a simple piece of tape. And it's made of a waterproof material. And that's the only thing that's separating uh, whatever is under what it, what my th- where my thumb used to be from the outside elements of the world. So it's gotten to the point. uh, It's been three and a half weeks since my surgery. Uh, In the early stages after surgery, I had a little bit of complications with infection. I was dealing with a lot of pain because of when it got infected. Um, I had this cast with uh, some brackets around it to protect the thumb. And at the time, it wasn't restrictive, constrictive, but as it started to get infected and started to swell up, it kind of grew a little bit bigger than its surroundings. So I remember that first weekend after surgery, I was in so much pain that. I couldn't sleep and I ended up getting desperate. So what I did was at the, in the middle of the night, I went to the convenience store and bought a cup of ice (laughs) and I basically 
put that I held that in my hand and right. it actually worked because it helped bring the swelling to a manageable down to a manageable level. So I was able to sleep, but I had to hold like this uh, cup of ice when I was sleeping. Oh man, that sounds so, really uncomfortable. Yeah. So on top of the, as you can imagine, getting something removed and getting that, getting used to that while dealing with an infection and a a little bit of a tight cast, it was a very adventurous first week. Then uh, sure. they had me take, yeah, they had me take antibiotics and the swelling went away. Uh, so after that, the second week, they told me, okay, well, now what we want you to do is uh, you're going to have to clean your thumb every day. So what I have to do is I have to remove the wrapping around my thumb. I usually put gauze on top, tape it. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I, uh, first I put ointment on it, some sort of uh, ointment to keep it from getting infected. And then put gauze around it and then wrap it in tape. And uh, as you can imagine, I had this cast for about almost two weeks and seeing my thumb for the first time was kind of unsettling because you can imagine what it would look like if you had an area of your thumb suddenly gone and all you see is like a bunch of stitched up areas and uh, uh, a skin graft, an artificial skin graft right there. Um, so it took me a little while to get used to that. It it was something that kind of, it, it was a little horrifying, but, uh, after time went on and, uh, got used to it, it's not really a big deal anymore. Um, it's just kind of your I new guess, normal, right? Yeah. And. It's not the end at all yet because uh, I still have not gotten the results of the pathology testing that they have to do on my, on the skin that they removed. Basically, they took that to a lab and they're trying to see, number one, how, how big the tumor was and number two, did it actually spread right and that's the news that i'm awaiting uh and that'll determine what will be the next step um either way i'm going to have surgery but it depends on what happens what kind of uh, that'll determine what surgery i have so if if the tumor uh metas i I don't know how to say it metas metastasizes yeah metastasizes thank you yeah if it metastasizes then unfortunately the next step would be some amputation i don't know how much they would amputate but that would be the next step um if it did not spread the cancer did not spread if it was contained then the next step would be to get some skin from another part of my body 
and put a permanent skin graft on the area where my thumbnail used to be. And then hopefully I'll be okay after that. And hopefully I won't have cancer for years to come or ever. Hopefully that's the big goal. Um, but that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I'm, I'm a, like I said, uh, I, I accept whatever is going to happen. The main goal is to beat cancer. So even if I have to lose my thumb, I'm prepared for that. I, I mean, I already lost my thumbnail. So if I have to lose my thumb, then I'll just have to adjust and I'll have to stay strong and try to keep fighting this thing and hopefully be able to beat cancer. Um, but as we mentioned before, because I was very proactive about it and I was very fortunate to find this cancer clinic and have a doctor that was really on top of things, I feel like my odds are with me for right now because mm -hmm. the doctor did mention to me that he feels that uh, we, they caught it in the very early stages and the tumor visually did not look deep. It looked very shallow. Okay. That's what he told me after surgery. So well. the prognosis <sighs> looks preliminary, uh, in a preliminary stage, it looks good, but mm -hmm. we'll have to see what the, the real results are. Yep. The lab results. So well, I hope you get a clean bill of health, my friend. And, you know, hopefully, they stopped it in its tracks and you can just get your skin graft and kind of move on as normally as can be, you know? I'm hoping the same thing. I, I think things will be okay no matter what. I think even if the thumb is removed, just the fact that we caught it early, there's a much higher chance for survival overall right. survival than if i caught it and it was like stage four mm -hmm. and i'm just glad it i'm probably not even close to that hopefully so we'll see what happens i'll try to do the best i can and i hope that i mean this is something that it just happens it's not like i smoke i don't smoke at all i don't do anything terribly bad i mean i <laughs> you're, in you're, terms of <laughs> you're, you're as close to a poster child for clean living as i've ever known ed yeah i mean See, your biggest transgression is probably just hanging out in a few smoky arcades and that's probably it and i don't like, even do don't, that yeah. yeah i mean you don't drink you don't smoke I think we all spent time in Aaron's family billiards, which probably wasn't a great choice, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like whenever I think about like somebody doing something in the environment, that's like, Oh, you're probably going to get sick from all of this. Like, uh, this ties into a place that we've both been. I mean, there was an arcade in Tucson called space shuttle. Originally, yes. it was on Speedway, 
And the amazing thing about this, and this is like way back in the day, we're talking 1980s. This place, the new games would be a quarter, but the games that were kind of old would all be a dime. So you could get a lot of gameplay out of five bucks. And for a kid like me that was just strapped and had, you know, meager allowance, that place was heaven. But in that time, like, there were so many teenagers and others that would hang out there and they would just smoke like chimneys. And when this place mutated into Aaron's family billiards, a move that was motivated because the guy wanted to continue to operate with pool tables and more of them. And the city basically told him, well, you're not zoned for that, yada, yada. And that's kind of what sparked the eventual move and mutation into more of a pool hall. But I remember the guy that owned the place had just like all these little facial growths, like just all kinds of like, little moles or probably more but i guess whenever i think about like somebody living a life and probably getting very sick from like exposure to secondhand smoke i always think of that dude and he smoked himself i think yes he did and it was also a place where oh god there were also lots of people that did fucking chewing tobacco there because they had those cups yeah. That people would spit I remember into. That. Oh. <laughs> and that was not a good I guess <laughs> especially when they did that while they were playing the games and they'd spit in the cup and they put the cup right next to the rest that were on the machine. Or sometimes yes. they put it on the machine directly. Yeah, they would just it's sit just... it there and that was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Like straight out of a just like a CD Star Wars canton like scene. It's just gross. Just yeah, and it is very uh, like I guess I always think of the diner where um Lloyd and Harry bumped into sea bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah. Pretty like much. It's very, right? A lot of the people that inhabited that place were very much like that dude. Yeah. Just like trucker cap, denim jacket, zero fucks given. (laughs) But at the same time, it's funny because a lot of those people were friendly. A lot of them were actually in a strange way. Um, Yeah. Plus it was... kind of the only place to play like a variety of games like i'm pretty sure that's the only place in town that got dark stalkers yeah now that you think about it it's i think that place and i think sam's club or sam's place the Mm -hmm. university arcade also had dark stalkers if i remember correctly that doesn't surprise me though because they definitely like they had the consistent clientele to actually warrant, you know, rolling some dice on some additional fighting games in that way. You know, 
I found out that Second Impact came out for Street Fighter 3, the mm-hmm. second uh, version of uh, Street Fighter 3. Um, right. I think that was one of the only places you could play it in in Arizona. I believe it. Because um, there's a new podcast that uh, came out recently, and it's uh, I think it's called Absolute Guard. It's uh, hosted by two people. I believe their names are John and Benny. Mm-hmm. And they've been having guests recently. It just started like a few months ago. And it's a really good listen if you ever get to listen to this podcast. Because they talk to a lot of people that are are part of or were part of the Arizona fighting game community. Mm-hmm. And it's really awesome because... Um, the guests that they had recently, they had Jeff Arnold, who, I mean, if you listen to hard podcasts, sometimes we kind of, he's a, he's a frequent uh, point of reference yeah, for a variety of reasons. Of, yeah. His mannerisms, things like that. We kind of like joke around about the stuff right. that he says, but he's, he's a good guy. I mean, he's, he was my mentor when, uh, we were playing Street Fighter games and he taught me a lot about those games and helped me get better and helped me understand the games uh, to the point where I felt like I was able to compete in tournaments and do decently. And we had a lot of fun in our adventures. So, yeah, he used to live in Phoenix and came down to Tucson uh, because he was uh, in the Air Force and he was working there for several years mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's how i met him through probably through space shuttle or sound space um and they also had saber who is also a big part of our fighting game c- community in arizona and he talked about his days back when he was young how he started off and just it was just really interesting to hear those point of views and hear about how the the scene was in arcades in phoenix because i mean i know you and i know about the scene in tucson right but phoenix was a little bit different because it's bigger the bigger area and they had different mentalities out there i mean jeff was with a group where they just wanted to go to places and kind of lay their dominance on everyone because they were that good. Whereas yep. uh with you and I, we just played just just for fun. Get some we, shiggles. We had tournaments. Yeah. We had tournaments here and there, but it wasn't like the big thing for us. It was just <laughs> the camaraderie. Just mm-hmm. hanging out, talking about not only fighting games, but other games and probably life in general and just getting to know new people and just having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolute guard. Take a listen. (laughs) It's on Spotify and Apple podcasts and they're on Twitch. They uh, broadcast live on Twitch. I think it's on the spiral series. I believe that's what it's under. I'm not sure, but definitely uh, give them a listen when you can. No, um, on the subject of other podcasts, um, 
I have not been playing a lot lately. Um, there's been a lot happening at work, and I've actually been watching, kind of getting into a lot of uh, streaming television series. Um, but the one thing that I have been playing, um, there's a YouTuber by the name of Shmup Junkie. Um, that guy, it's funny because like, he's got like kind of a ridiculous sense of humor and that definitely comes through with his videos. Um, but like his dedication and appreciation for the shoot 'em up genre is like really, really palpable and intense. And like, you know, he goes deep on a lot of things that, you know, most people do not talk about, like, you know, claw their way into like the history of Compile or Technosoft or, you know, all those little Japanese companies that made so many games that I adored through the late eighties and nineties. Um, but he pointed out, he did a comprehensive video that ran down, um, 82 shoot 'em ups that are available on the mega drive. And the one he talked about that really caught my attention is a port of a Toa Plan arcade game called Slap Fight. Now, I had tried this game once as a ROM, and to be honest, like, it didn't do much for me in my very brief attempt to play it way back when, because, like, it's definitely not, like, a game that stands out, especially in the pantheon of, like, Mega Drive games, where you have games like Musha or Thunder Force or, you know, really visually interesting games that have great sprite work and a ton of line scrolls and warping backgrounds and, you know, all the all the Mega Drive hardware tricks, you know, that you can shake a stick at. But um, Slap Fight is like a weird throwback to kind of like that first run of games that were really trying to chase down what Xevious had laid down. Um, you know, it's a vertically scrolling shooter. It's got these, it's got this really minimalist visual approach. Um, and it actually sort of borrows the um, Gradius power-up system where Except in this game, you collect stars, and then those advance the different weapons that you can select for your loadout, um, you know, in real time in the game. But after hearing that guy talk about it a little bit, I began to play it for myself, and it's really absolutely, like, one of the best just beautifully minimalist shooting games that I've ever played. And it has so much to do with like uh, the balance of the weapons in the game, the way the bullets and projectiles in the game, just like 
everything just feels so carefully considered. Um, and I can't even explain how this thing like got its hooks into me because it's been for a few weeks now. Like, if I take a moment and like I'm not doing something for work or I'm not out and about or I'm not like watching Better Call Saul, which I've been binging to catch up with, um, that game is just it's doing everything for me like it's absolutely that kind of addictive like all right i've got eight minutes before i really need to leave for work i can squeeze in one more game of this (laughs) kind of thing Um, i love those games yeah i mean it's it's just it's so much more than like the sum of its parts um and everyone uh, needs their quick fix games. Yeah, the yeah, ones yeah. That you, only need, take you need 10 that minutes. thing that, like, whenever you've got, like, between five and ten minutes, like, you know, here's your dose of fun that's just going to sort of put your mind in a different place and allow you to, like, march on with your day. Like, it's absolutely perfect for that. And uh, obviously a big draw and a thing that um, Shmup Junkie talked about with this game is that, um, the port was also worked on by Yuzo Koshiro. So there's some remixed music in the game by him as well. And on top of that, in addition to a strict port of the arcade game, there's a fully arranged mode that is a completely different set of levels, slightly different ship, and the weapons actually change a little bit there's also an additional sort of weapon mechanic that's tied into it where like the whole thing with slap fight is that there's a fixed set of power-ups and one of the power-ups is called wing and when you select that it adds on these little side parts to your ship that they provide additional firepower but they also make you a bigger target um you could, it kind of reminds me a lot of the power-up system in uh, Gapless. Like, it, it's a little bit like that. Um, but I have a question, though. Yeah. If you get hit uh-huh. on any part, does that destroy your whole ship? Because Gapless, you can get a lot of bugs, or mm-hmm. you can get that power-up that makes you slightly bigger. Yeah. But I don't know about how big you get when you uh, increase the size of your ship in slap fight, but is it to the point where it's almost like, you know, untenable or you can't it really dodge? It does slightly untenable if you're like fully trucked out because you're like maybe half the width of the screen when you get like fully chonked out. But that's interesting to me because it's totally like the trade-off. And the thing is, that's how it is in the original arcade game making mm-hmm. the arrange mode even more interesting is the fact that you can intentionally sacrifice your wing extensions and that creates like this whirlwind explosive like napalm effect so like if you're absolutely in a jam you can do that and hilariously though like 
if you get killed in the game, it actually produces much the same effect, <laughs> which <laughs> it's just so like more of well. a glorified death. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's actually you might as well sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, there's actually great incentive to do so. So, OK, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it's really the last game that I expected to, like, go back to and then suddenly find all this joy from. But. Uh, I don't know. Like, I've also known for a while that it's like it's absolutely like one of the more expensive collectible Mega Drive games. I think a complete of copy of that runs now like four fifty, five hundred bucks. But well, if you, if you can get a Mega Drive Mini, which right. is still kind of plentiful, mm-hmm. those those versions have Slap Fight MD on it, right? So it's very attainable. Yeah. Um you have to get the Japanese or Asian version. Yeah. The US Which version, is fine, the Genesis there's, there's, Mini. There's not have it. Like even the Japanese version, it has English text. So there's no there's yeah. no language barrier with that game whatsoever. I mean, even if there was, it's That's a schmuck, you know. Um so yeah, like that game truly the last thing in the world that I expected I'd be like flipping out or like coming home being like eh, i got like 15 minutes i'm gonna get in a little bit you know but, sort but of that's, thing but that's a that's a beautiful surprise i'm glad it you really found is. something like that um mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me that you like the game because if i mean i know i knew that you were a big Xevious fan mm-hmm. so if this is anything like Xevious, i i would imagine you'd be all over it and you well, obviously are it's interesting though, because like it doesn't have the same like well, it does and it doesn't. With your default sort of pea shooter weapon, you can destroy any sort of flying or ground-based enemy. But mm-hmm. there's all these strange hidden bonus targets throughout the levels that you actually need some of the more powerful weapons to destroy or unearth Hmm. so it's like i don't know like it's so it's so achingly achingly minimalist but there's also so much like just below the surface with that game so i'm actually it's funny because i was um i was text texting our mutual friend optimus about this game yeah. and i'm just like dude where the hell were egm or game fan or any of those magazines and talking about slap fight because i never read a damn thing about that game like not a word but you know yeah, it's kind of great i heard about it yeah, yeah i mean i'm just glad that like there's you know awesomely obsessed people like shmup junkie that are going really deep into the library of a system like the Mega Drive or the PC Engine and just, you know, panning for gold. Because uh, that game, like, it's funny too, because I can totally see how, like, that might have been a game that I would have ordered back in the day and then played it a few times and been kind of, like, disappointed by the lack of eye candy. But if you're looking for, like, really, really tight, like fundamentally solid gameplay and genuinely interesting design. 
that game is that game is fire. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. All right, we're gonna take a little break. Uh, oh God, it hurts. As part of a our glorious network called uh, Ruminations Radio Network, hosted by Mitch Proctor. If you like uh, what you hear from our show, maybe there's another show that you'd be interested in, and this is a uh, an ad for it. And if you're interested in that show, please come to ruminationsradionetwork.com to find that show and more. We'll be right back. All glory to the network. Yay, all glory. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at ruminationsradionetwork.com. I I only heard about Slap Fight through the Mega Drive Mini announcements, mm-hmm. and when they were announcing the games, they did it kind of like piecemeal. Mm-hmm. They would announce 10 games at a time. Right. And towards the end of the announcements, like this would happen, like maybe they would have announcements maybe two weeks at a, uh, each two weeks or each week or something like that. And near the mm-hmm. end of the list was slap fight. Yeah. And the thing that caught my attention was not, the actual game but the name of it Mm -hmm. i saw the word slap fight and i was like (laughs) what kind of game is this (laughs) and then i thought it was a shooter and i was like oh my god i don't know this game and i've never heard of it and why are they bringing this out and after hearing you talk about it now i understand and uh also hopefully by the time people listen to this episode they may have heard our shoot 'em up special right that's the hope which now yeah, i'm bummed um, out that like i didn't talk about slap fight then either because well because you didn't know about it <laughs> i haven't taken this trip down the rabbit hole yet but i mean on the same token on the subject of the shmup special like uh going back and listening to it like i think there's a lot of great bases that we covered but there's also some things that i did not talk about that i'm pretty disappointed i didn't discuss but oh we can always do a follow-up or something or just have an open discussion kind of like what we're having right now like i can't believe i failed to talk about gradius 5 Mm, yeah i remember (laughs) watching you play that back in the day I mean, I know you're a big Gradius fan, but well, I'm that sure one's people really would like, like to know. For me, like that game is absolutely like you know there had been a a large number of Gradius or directly Gradius inspired games that had come out before that, and you know the series was definitely no longer like in its heyday or like a major force in arcades anymore but gradius 5 is absolutely like it's it's the it's the radiant silver gun of horizontal shooters to me Mm. like it's there's that much happening with that game um 
like, and not to mention, you've also got an amazing soundtrack from uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto, who also did like Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, oh, he also did Final Fantasy Twelve. No, is it Twelve? Yeah, Twelve's the one that has the um, like. It's very Baroque medieval imagery, and it's like slightly um, MMORPG-ish by way of the command system. Are you talking about the Zodiac Age? Yes. Okay. That's available on PlayStation 4 and Switch as well now as a re-release. Yep. If I remember correctly. It may be on Steam as well. Yeah. But that's good to know. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Is this your favorite Gradius, do you think? Yes. Yeah, mm. basically hands down. I and wish I could re- take a look at it. <laughs> um I would say it's probably it like hmm? uh, it says here on the Wikipedia that Treasure and G Rev also helped make this game. Mm-hmm. And it's a PlayStation 2 game, and that's the only way you can play it. Yep. So if you can find a copy and you're interested, yeah, PlayStation 2, that's your only route for right now. Japanese but, copies are cheaper right now, of course. Um, hmm. Maybe I'll have to find a copy. Yeah. Thank God I still have that PlayStation 3 with the Spider-Man font, because that's the version <laughs> that still can play PlayStation 2 games. Is it a 60 so, or a 20? I think it's a 20. Oh, it's so it's a Vader model. one? It's got like the black? Yep. Phase 2? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that one... Um, trying to recall. Like, I think the the 20 gigabyte one has all of the backward compatible functionality. I think there's just some things like there were a bunch of ports that were beneath that top plate on the unit. And I don't know that it has all of the same ones that the 60 gigabyte one did. Cause the 60 gigabyte one was like the Cadillac of that launch, like series of consoles. So. And you, you said that was a different color, right? Yeah, um, the 60 gigabyte one is like a shiny chrome. Like it, that one piece is a chrome accent, and then the 20 gigabyte one is black, which is why they call it the Vader, which is like the. There was an Atari 2600 that was also all black, and that one got called the Vader because. Nerds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I think I got the Vader because um, I. I I do believe it's all black, and it's funny because this is the first system that I bought when I was living in Japan, mm. which was back in 2007. Yeah. Can you believe that? Uh, I recently celebrated on uh, July 29th, my 15th anniversary, living in Japan. Fantastic, buddy. Yeah. Can you believe it? 15 years. and. Yeah, I've been here since PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now you've been here since 5. the PS3, Wii 360 era. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I remember when we left Tucson. I remember one of the last movies we went and saw was Hot Fuzz. And the Simpsons movie. Yeah, the Simpsons movie was like the night you left. But before that, it was Hot Fuzz. And then I also remember I was playing through Resident Evil 4 on the Wii at the time. I have not played that game still. I've been meaning to play that game. And well, it's, get, it's getting a remake now, so. Yeah, but I think I'll get the Switch version first and get through that. And then if I eventually get a PS5, I will try to experience Resident Evil 4, the remake on that. Because uh, obviously for Street Fighter 6, I would want a PlayStation 5. So I'm probably going to wait until next year to get one. Right on. Just but, get that in a modern display. Yeah, I need to get something that will do 4K and at the same time have a high refresh rate so I don't have the ghosting or lag that I did on my old TV. I used to well, play Overwatch on that TV. Yeah. The PS5 got a firmware update and it now supports 1440p, which well, cool. really opens up like options for especially as far as like gaming monitors like there's a wide variety of gaming monitors that are a lot more affordable and that way you could still get like 120 hertz gameplay yeah that's really encouraging especially for fighting game enthusiasts yeah um because uh i don't know if you I mean, people, if they know this or not, but yeah, fighting game fanatics, people that play in tournaments and things like that, those things matter. Yep. The displays. Uh, just in general, like, they can count how many frames something is off. Mm-hmm. And if they're playing on a display where it lags, it's going to really really upset a lot of tournament goers because the reaction time will be so off right i mean uh recently they had a uh, evo which is one of the mm-hmm. biggest fighting tournaments in the world <laughs> and it, it seems to be getting i mean wow what a comeback right like yeah. it's been two or three years since the last live evo tournament and this year, a lot of people were just happy to be back. And I think this is something that we wanted to cover, by the way. It's good to kind of have this convenient little uh, segue. But mm-hmm. right now, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the last Evo, uh, the uh, one of the Arizona fighting game uh community uh i guess uh stalwarts uh is that the correct word for it but yes saber um yeah he he posted on twitter saying (laughs) yeah one of the greats in arizona um he uh had some tournaments running i believe in uh evo evo and uh yeah they're using mister now and that's awesome because yeah no, um, that's a really, like, it's a great development 
and I think it shows like just how much work and precision went into that CPS two core, because if anybody on earth is going to know right away, whether or not something is not like the arcade, it's all of those guys. Exactly. <laughs> Cause they're the ones that like, and you, you and I both know, um, Oh, what's his name? Chris Parker. Yeah. The guy that, the big Blanca player locally. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny because, like, I met him and I know him, but, like, I don't know his handle in that world. Um, it's just right out of my mental reach right now. But, like, he was totally one of those guys that, like, still had a CPS2 set up you know, had it consoleized with all the mods. Um, and that's like, all of that's really expensive <laughs> and yeah, even worse, like as a traveling setup, like it's really, really clunky and cumbersome. And with the mister, you're talking about a device that's literally the size of a box of matches. If not much, you know, not much bigger than that. And so, to have that with both digital and analog display capability being able to run CPS two in a lag free arcade accurate fashion. I mean, that's wonderful to me because that's gonna, it's gonna ensure that all the quote unquote old man games keep getting played at these tournaments, you know? Well, I, I think, uh, it's, good because of the fact that even console ports of these games they have their little drawbacks or little inaccuracies as well right i mean mean, every version of third strike has like its own specific set of issues right yeah definitely (laughs) that and then you have uh if you know Capcom versus SNK2 many people say that the Dreamcast version is slower than the actual arcade version really and to be honest i couldn't tell but some people swear by it the those are that's how detailed fighting game community people are that's wild though because you would think with that version being based on a naomi game like there shouldn't be an issue because i know people had complained about the xbox and ps2 versions as somehow being less accurate than the Dreamcast version. But yeah, that's yeah. the first I'd ever heard of there being an issue with the Dreamcast version of CBS 2. Yeah. Fascinating. And, well, it, there's even some ports that you don't have to be a huge expert, but you can kind of tell just by feel that, oh, this isn't right. And one example I'd like to bring up, I'm pretty sure you agree with this, but remember when Street Fighter Collection came out for Sega Saturn? Mm-hmm. And we thought there's something wrong with this version because well, it doesn't feel like yeah. it was really unsettling because just based on the hardware with yeah. Saturn being this 2D monster, we all assumed that a Saturn version of that would absolutely be the definitive one. And for exactly. Super Turbo, it was absolutely not like that version had a lot of problems. Yeah, and I and can't was, explain why, but 
it just I mean it was just it was cheeky collisions it was there was also a fair amount of slowdown in the game if I recall correctly um and that was all the more like confusing because shortly thereafter you had like these perfect ports of Night Warriors Street Fighter Alpha and Street Fighter Alpha 2 yeah so. And I think for Street Fighter Collection, we ended up playing the PlayStation version, which is very ironic. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that also part that of that was the ease of finding those, um, the Tekken 2 Namco sticks. Yeah. Because those were relatively plentiful in a time where, like even if you could find like a commercially made fighting game stick, like they never produced those things in enormous numbers, but for some reason there were a fair number of those Tekken two Namco sticks floating around. Yeah. I think, uh, Sebastian had one. I remember Mm -hmm. him rocking that for a long time. That was, I think one of his favorite sticks, uh, didn't our friend Mark also have, a Namco stick? He did. Wow. Did you have a Namco stick? I did. I don't have a Namco stick. <laughs> <laughs> I was a hoary guy. <laughs> I'm out of the loop. Uh, I'm sorry. It's all good. But yeah, I mean, those offerings were really like kind of all over the map in that time. Like, it wasn't at all what we think of today where like, You've got all these different manufacturers and they're all using like legitimate arcade parts or like with the case of Hori, like they've got their own Hayabusa line of sticks and buttons that, you know, are really, really modeled after those same sorts of Sanwa and Seimitsu parts. Um, Like that scene is just, it's light years ahead of like where it was. 25 years ago i mean back then like if you wanted like an actual like arcade panel or a stick like you had to order something from mas or you had to attempt to build something yourself um you know those were the wild west days of people that actually wanted to play on a proper fighting stick so pretty dope now that that's such a that's such a consistent thing now well you know what started the explosion again i think you know street fighter 4 yep and you and i were actually a part of it yep kind of sort of because yeah yeah. uh, going to that location test yeah i uh we were a part of that location test and not only that there was a local company that our good friend started that had arcade joysticks called Arcade mm-hmm. in a Box. Mm-hmm. Uh, you worked for him. Yep. I did the logo for that company. It was fun. Yeah. It was it was another great thing that came out of Arizona. Well, and that was, was that the thing, too, was well. that um, we struck at a really interesting time because... Uh, Ed was already making sticks for the Xbox 360, but it was before Street Fighter 4. And yeah. 
there was some call for it because there were a fair amount of arcade-ish games for the system. You know, you had like, what was it? Dead or Alive 4. Um, and I know there was a XBLA version of Hyper Fighting. Um, there were rumors about the Super Turbo HD remix. Um, but Street Fighter 4, like, is what really brought the whole thing back, like, in earnest and, you know, simultaneously got all the other companies, you know, reignited their interest in jumpstarting those franchises again. Like, so yeah, I mean, that, that game, interestingly enough, like, it really occupies a very interesting place in Street Fighter history because that was definitely like, it was a very long, cold winter between 1999 and <laughs> 2008. <laughs> Almost 10 years. Yeah. It was very, very cold. And I can feel for people who are experiencing that right now with Virtual Fighter. Yeah. Although they finally brought out the remodeled version of Virtual Fighter 5 yeah. Final Showdown. And hopefully. Virtual Fighter fans will finally get their new game maybe in the next couple years. But yeah, it's kind of funny how things work out. Yeah. Um, I remember that when I first got to Japan in 2007 and then the following year kind of hearing about, hey, there's a new Street Fighter and it's only going to be in Japanese arcades and you can actually play it before anyone else does in our location tests all around Japan. They were advertising it on Twitter and I was so fortunate to be there. You were fortunate to be there because you were there as well. Broad. And it was just good times, man. It was just a nice renaissance of fighting games that I think it's continuing strong. I mean, look at Street Fighter 6. Yeah. Look at the since they made a Evo. Are you excited for those two characters that they announced? You know, it's funny because I am a longtime guy fan. I remember being super excited when it was revealed that he was um coming to the roster in the original Street Fighter Alpha. Um yeah. I'm pretty interested in trying Kimberly. Um I think She's definitely exhibiting that whole Bushinru style. Um, I I can't even explain, like, I can't even really put my finger on why this game in, like, because, I mean, let's be real. I mean, you and I were, I think I was a little more dismayed than you about, like, the very initial announcement, like, I felt like it just seemed so intent on like trying to cool off all of the heat behind KOF 15. And it seemed kind of early and like an answer to a question that nobody was necessarily asking yet. But everything that has come out since, um, you know, that producer has stated openly, like he's like, uh, SF2 is like the primary inspiration for 
you know, the spirit of the thing that we're trying to build and, you know, that's the sweetest pillow talk somebody like me could possibly hear because obviously like my entire love for this franchise really stems from that original game. So, uh, I'm excited. I, I get this once too. Yeah. I'm totally excited. <laughs> yeah. I, you can tell the focus is definitely different than it was in Street Fighter V mm-hmm. because we talked about Street Fighter V being more about esports. Yep. And only less than 1% of the people playing Street Fighter was in esports. The rest of mm-hmm. us watch or casually participate, but don't expect much. Right. We're not going to train like. 40 hours a week just to get Mm -hmm. good at a game. We don't have that time and we don't have that kind of career path. Um, Yep. But now with Street Fighter 6, it looks like it's for everyone. They're celebrating both. Yeah. The casual player and the professional player. Yeah, I mean, I'm even on board with the... It's got a nice bridge in between. Uh Uh-huh. No, I was going to say, I mean, I'm even on board with the whole idea of this like modern control mode you know because at some point like there has to be an on-ramp like you have to let people that you know have not been playing street fighter 2 for 30 years now (laughs) you have to do something to be like this might be a thing that you might want to try it's got this incredible legacy but no, we know you didn't grow up in arcades wielding a bat handle or a ball top. And, you know, this is your way. This is the way to take your first step into a much larger world. Um, so I think, Definitely. you know, those are good things. And, you know, every everything that I've seen so far, besides that first logo, um <laughs> seems to be coming together pretty fantastically. So no, I'm uh I'm very positive on that and I hope you know I hope that does what we want it to do because then, you know, that'll be very exciting. Yeah. They're very player centric now, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you can always tell when a company is making a game for themselves or for sales, and then you know when a company's making a game for the people. Yeah. And this is definitely for the people because of things like the choices they made with the art style, the type of gameplay additions, like you said, giving an on-ramp for people who are either new to the game or haven't played in a while, kind of giving them a chance to have fun. And it's a game that can be enjoyed by casual and professional players. And that that's what you really need right now for a fighting game. You need that sort of all-around accessibility because yep. it's easy to get lost when you play a fighting game that's, let's say, I hate to say this, I mean, I love Virtual Fighter, but it's not a game that you would be able to pick up very easily. <laughs> compared to like a game like street fighter where it's a lot simpler where where you know you only have yeah there's a lot of buttons but at the same time if you have better accessibility options then those things can be minimized and 
if you do like something where it's just one motion or even one direction and a button, that would help out a lot. And at the same time, you have a lot of options where, uh, I don't know if they'll have this in tournaments, the, the, uh, option where you can do like the easier mode, but I think we talked about it before. Um, there are drawbacks to it where it's like, like I said, if you throw a fireball in easy mode, it's only one strength. So it's only one version of the fireball compared to if you play the normal street fighter mode, then you have all three. Well, I think that's, I mean, to me, that's such an interesting and like well-crafted incentive to get somebody to like be thinking about that game and think about what they've enjoyed about it so far and then go, ah, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to take off the training wheels. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want that much more control over my move set and, you know, everything I can do. So. You know, yeah. hopefully that manages to land in a really cool way that turns on a lot of new people to that that scene. I I think Street Fighter Six is in good hands, and it helps that my friend uh, is part of that team. Uh, yeah. I don't know if my friend Andrew is listening, but yeah, if you're listening, I believe in you, man. I know you're gonna <laughs> do it. You're gonna do great things he's already done a lot of great things he does a lot of the dialogue that the characters say in the game he helped yeah. out with the uh commentators uh how to implement them in the game which is still very exciting they added james chen mm-hmm. and they added uh tasty steve to the list of commentators nice so it's gonna be quite an interesting thing to to see uh, how that develops uh, I'm really excited for that. Uh, um, along with the open world tour, mm-hmm. where I it they didn't really detail it, but it looks like you can walk around and create your own character, I guess. And right, uh, I don't know if it's part of the story mode or if it's a totally different thing. But that sounds exciting. I mean, it yeah. sounds like it's gonna have a lot of things to keep us busy in single player mode, or if you just want to play other people you can always skip to that i mean right it's kind of like splatoon in a way <laughs> because I, splatoon is like that yeah i think Which, the, only, the, way, splatoon the only 3 <laughs> <laughs> splatoon 3 is coming out yay man Sorry. i i know <laughs> i i know you're excited about that and i just i sincerely hope that like you can be playing it as you would like to be, you know, yeah. at least a couple months after it drops. Yeah, hopefully I can play it uh, and not have too much of a drop off, but it'll be a couple months before I can actually play that game. But yeah, I was right. happy to hear. I uh, watched the Nintendo Direct and wow, that looks like a very, 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 very interesting game, very exciting game. And I just want to play it now, but. I really can't. <laughs> Soon. Yes. Uh, you should, you should, if if you haven't played Splatoon two yet, please do because it's you know I really need to. Game. Like I own I own it, and yeah. I remember playing it for a couple days when I finally got it, 
and I was just like, oh man, like yeah. this is really, really interesting. Like these play mechanics aren't really like anything else. And, you know, I had a genuine appreciation for the art style and, you know, everything that it was bringing to the table. But for some reason, like, I always think it's a timing thing. Like sometimes you play something and it just happens to be exactly the thing that you were craving. And it, you know, it's the perfect game meets that perfect moment. Um, I would yeah. probably argue that's what happened specifically with slap fight. Um, yeah. With Splatoon 2, yeah, I think I probably just need to sit down and spend some actual time with it. Um, interestingly enough, like I've got a road trip for work coming up, and it's going to last almost a week. And I think during that time, like, because I won't have like a lot to do in the evenings. I think I'm going to specifically take a handful of switch games that I've not spent enough time with yet and just try and uh, sit down with like Splatoon two or um, Astral Chain. Yeah. Um, maybe the Xenoblade or uh, Xenoblade Chronicles definitive edition, like the first game. Yeah. Because I've always heard great things about the second one. And now there's, a lot of praise for the third one as well. But, you know, I want to start with that original game first if I'm going to dip my toe into that series. That's good. Give it a try. See which one tickles your fancy. And uh, I think uh, with Splatoon 2, um, mm-hmm. you can definitely enjoy the story mode. And yeah. I don't know if you have the Nintendo service online, the NSO. Plus the expanded service. Do you have the expanded service? I don't have the expanded service because I know that you can get the um, the DLC for Splatoon 2 as part of that. And Mario Kart. Right. So it might be worth it for you to get it. And if you yeah. do, then definitely play Octo the Octo expansion. Uh, that's cool. what I still need to do as well because I'm still going through the story of the uh, original Splatoon 2 game. And uh, I was planning to play that before I ended up getting surgery. Right. Uh, unfortunately, the surgery thing came kind of br- uh, quickly and suddenly. So I didn't get a chance to actually finish the storyline for Splatoon 2. But that'll help you get acquainted to the game. And if you play it online, um, it's really fun. Um, especially when you play Splatfests, which Mm -hmm. unfortunately they're not going to be available on Splatoon 2 anymore, but if you download, I think there's a downloadable, uh, demo for Splatoon 3, but it's only for the Splatfest that's coming up this, the end of August. I think it's August Mm -hmm. 24th or 25th. Yeah. If you can try it out, because not only is it free. It's a new version of a Splatfest because usually Splatfests, they tell you, mm-hmm. okay, please choose one of two options. Like they'll say, which one is better, ketchup or mayonnaise or something like that, right? Mm. And then you choose a team and then like whoever chooses the same option 
you are matched up with them as teammates and then you fight the opposite team who picked whatever you didn't pick and then you do like a turf war and it's really fun the new Splatfest they're having three options now so the first Splatfest will be which do you like better rock scissors or paper (laughs) (laughs) so that'll be fun because now you have three teams to worry about instead of two Right. And awesome. since it's free, at least for this Splatfest, give it a try. Just see how it's like. A Splatfest were like one of the most fun things I ever experienced on the Switch. So I yeah. think uh give it a try. I mean, yeah. Like I said, the end of this month, if you play Splatoon 2 and get kind of used to you know how the game goes, then yeah, give the Splatfest yeah. a try before it comes out next month yeah definitely just need to dig hard into my backlog because i own a shameful amount of games that i have not completed or spent much time with yeah but splatoon is definitely worthy because of the fact that it's so different from any fps it's just brilliant the way they did things and i think you would appreciate it i think anyone who (laughs) listens to this podcast if they play it they would appreciate how different it is that's excellent yeah yeah i mean it's just it's such a like you look at that game and the way it plays and like it seems such a like unlikely thing to have come from like what we usually expect from nintendo but that's cool as hell that it's become like a really interesting new franchise for them i mean relatively speaking you know only being what eight or nine years old now probably drop for wii u right i think so yeah yeah and so uh, you know the six people that bought that they enjoyed it clearly (laughs) (laughs) oh no no it was a fun it was phenomenal uh in japan it's Besides Animal Crossing, it's probably uh, one of the most popular titles from Nintendo. Yeah. Until Fortnite came along, but even Fortnite, I think when Splatoon 3 comes out, I think people will be back on that instead of Fortnite, because Fortnite's getting a little older now. Yeah. But... (sighs) It's a lovely game. I I I don't know from Fortnite... I don't care to understand Fortnite. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, games I would not be tw- caught dead playing. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be caught dead playing it. Like, I'm not going to shit talk it. But at the same time, like, I recognize, like, when a parade has absolutely gone by my little corner of the world. And yeah. that is definitely one thing that, like, I wasn't in on the ground floor with it. It's been around for eons. It's got its entirely its own ecosystem and there it will stay for me because I'm just, uh, there's no way on earth that I would like make an attempt to claw into all of that. eh. It's just too (laughs) out there for me. Yeah, I just saw someone playing it for 10 minutes and I was like, nope. 
You have to insert that Bugs Bunny gif. No. Nope. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Well, Eddie, I will be thinking very positive thoughts on your behalf as you get this bit of news in the next day or so. Hopefully it goes well, but I know that you are a very strong and positive person, and no matter what the news is, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to yep. keep going so I can't no more. And yep. I'm just going to try to enjoy what I have right now. And yeah, it's a little sad that I can't play most video games right now. But at the same time, uh, just trying to stay positive, try to do some things in the meantime, like uh, trying to study Japanese again, which <laughs> I feel bad. I live in Japan and I'm. My Japanese is not, you know, as up to snuff as I want it to be. So I want to hit the books on that again. I've been studying a little bit here and there, trying to get the momentum going again, and then trying to start drawing again. It's, I was going to say, you can still draw, right? I mean, your right hand is yeah. your dominant drawing hand. So yeah, and I miss shit. it. It if there if there it, was ever a time to light that up, man. I mean, you know, yeah. You are a very skilled artist anyway. Thank you. Um, and so you should definitely chase that down the rabbit hole further. Yeah, I mean, it's one way that kind of relaxes me. I mean, it's a way to relax and it's a way to relieve stress. So if I can't play video games, then I should do that. It's also something that I feel is quite constructive because the more I learn about drawing the more just more things I can do more potential Absolutely. things I can do yep so it's always a good thing to to have that side hobby truth video games was my main hobby for a while but yeah, yeah. I can still play Qbert <laughs> yes you can <laughs> yeah I love my new wave toys Qbert you only need one hand for that but yep. Yeah, I'll I'll Only hang in there. One hand and to own. <laughs> uh our good friend Sebastian. Yep. Big shout out to yeah. Sebastian. We miss you, buddy. Yeah. You will forever Hope be our one handed terror. Of of Tucson. Yep. But of our hearts. <laughs> uh-huh. The one handed terror of our hearts. Yes. Uh all right. Thanks everybody for tuning in to this uh recovery room edition of Oh God It Hurts. Um We'll see you next time. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> Stay strong. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.